Blog Talk Radio. I have an emergency. What is your location? Yes, indeed. Good morning. There is. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for this very beautiful day. We thank you for the gifts, the many gifts that you've given us, the blessings, your favor, your um, continued presence with us, your word, your spirit dwelling within us. Lord, we thank you for giving us the gift of salvation for what you did to buy and pay for it with your own blood, finishing the work, completing that which was required by justice, by the law, that we would be that we could be free from the sin and death that Satan had assigned to us, Lord. We thank you, Father, for uh, giving us today eyes to see and ears to hear and heart to receive the revelation of Jesus Christ, that you give us grace and courage to uh, let go of the old mindsets and programs and paradigms and come into the place of your true intentions, the, t- the heart of your word, Lord God, which does give us blessing, favor, peace, and uh, love and a relationship with you that's meaningful and deep and holy. And we thank you, Lord, for divine promises of protection, and we ask for those today over all of us, again, over our families, all and all that pertains to us and them, those things that that you have called us to walk in, the stewardship of the gifts. We ask for divine covering in our health and safety and our traveling and our vehicles and our finances. We thank you for the gifts of your love and abundance Father, even the things that are, we take for granted and are so obscured even at this Thanksgiving time when we try to think of what we're thankful for. So we thank you, Jesus, for making it clear to us what we have in you and causing us to rejoice and be thankful this day. You are the faithful witness, so we ask for your testimony. In Jesus' name, amen. Welcome to Rescue Radio, well, all of you. And if you're listening through the archives, we also want to bless and welcome you. Um, good morning, Jerry. We have our, our roving host is back with us today. Yes, I've been roving for quite a while, and I'm back. It's good to be back today. <laughs> were, were you backsliding or just back there? No, no. So, uh, I'm, I'm out and about. Out and about. Okay, out that's and about. Good. Yeah, in about. work. Amen. Well, you know, uh, our kind of lead-in sentence today has to do with, um, are your blessings from God getting snagged on the razor wire of doubt and cut to ribbons? by the clever two-edged blade of responsibility and guilt. And it's hard to be thankful if you're always feeling like you're getting ripped off. And I think this is a place where a lot of believers are. They're caught on some things that spiritually, some some very clever, wily agreements, arguments that Satan is making against them, and their blessings are being stolen from them. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah, the blessings, the blessings are there, but they're not being received and accepted. Mm-hmm. Because because they're being stolen because we have already given permission, unconsciously or passively or in, with uh, indirect consent, implied consent that we to the enemy to take them away, which makes it hard for God to bless us. Right, John ten ten says uh, Jesus said that the thief comes but not but to steal, uh-huh. kill, and destroy. And he said, I have come that they might have life and that they might have it more abundantly. So mm-hmm. sometimes, you know, what 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 is the enemy stealing? What is he killing? Well, what is he destroying? Uh, what is he at, at least attempting life. to destroy mm-hmm. in the lives of believers? Well, he's he's attempting to take our lives, our hope, our joy, our power, our authority, our confidence, um, and our relationship with God. And I think he smears that up with a lot of 
uh, confusion, doubt, bitterness. You know, looking back, um, if people do not understand the paradigm of the true context in which we live, it is not a context of accidents, uh, you know, coincidences and trying to stay busy, just killing time down here. It is a paradigm of battle, war between God and Satan for the souls of men. And, um, uh, and, it, and really the bottom line is Satan is trying to keep those who are in God's family from claiming their rightful inheritances that, and the accompanying blessings that come as part of being part of the family of God. Now, sometimes we think of blessings, and, and you, you alluded to that uh, uh, in your uh, you, you've written a blog, and we're kind of using this as sort of a basis for this. Yeah, uh, mm-hmm. we'll send today. that out today. Port, Port yeah, Willing. we'll send that out today. So be uh, watching for that. But you know, there was the we sometimes look at it in terms of the blessings, in terms of material blessings, mm-hmm. you know, health and and everything. Uh, there was the mentality some years ago that poverty is next to godliness. Yep, yep. And then we have the you know name it and claim it view that you mm-hmm. know if you're really godly, you're going to have lots of money. You're going to have mm-hmm. the abundance of material things. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And if you you know if you don't have that abundance of material things or something, then wrong you don't have you. enough faith. Right. 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 Mm-hmm. So so we we we've had to deal with that. And and uh, could I just share with you some of the spiritual blessings mm-hmm. that God has provided for us. Yes. And then, and then we can just, you can just okay. kind of go from there. But what Paul writes to the church at Ephesus in Ephesians chapter one, one, he says, Paul, an apostle of Jesus Christ by the will of God to the saints who are in Ephesus and the faithful in Christ Jesus, grace to you and peace from God, our father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us mm-hmm. with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places in Christ, just he, as he has chosen us in him before the foundation of the world. Mm-hmm. So one of the great blessings is that we're chosen before the foundation of the world. That's mind-blowing in itself. And, yeah. That we should be holy and without blame before him in love. And we're also, verse 5, this is having predestined us to the adoption as sons by Jesus Christ to himself. So we're we're in his family, we're his kids, mm-hmm. we're his sons, his daughters, according to the good pleasure of his will, to the praise of the glory of his grace, by which he has made us accepted in the beloved. So we are fully accepted Amen. in Christ. And then in him we have redemption. I mean, the price has been paid, we mm-hmm. have freedom that was been accomplished through the blood of Christ. We have the forgiveness of sins Amen. Uh, according to the riches of his grace. Mm-hmm. And so these are just some, of, we have an inheritance uh, yeah. uh, according to uh, the purpose of him who works all things in according with the counsel of his will. So we, 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 we have salvation. We have the Holy Spirit. Yeah. Paul goes on to say as the seal as the mark mm-hmm. that we belong to him. So these are some of the mm-hmm. blessings, and we're loaded. The yeah. psalmist said, blessed be God who daily loads us with benefits. But yeah, the thing but is, what, what, uh, we have these already, but the reality of those, a lot of times, is not received. Well, here's the deal. Because what happens yeah, that what? we don't appreciate and receive the fullness of these. Well, first of all, I want to go back just to touch on the word predestined from the foundation of the world. That basically means God has called all of us. 
And what then becomes the problem is we need to respond to that invitation. And that's where not everybody is called or chosen because not everybody responds. Everybody is called, but not everybody's responding to that call. So, but going back to this list, um, everybody's probably heard that, read that if you've sat in church at all. And, but it all seems so uh, untangible, so spiritual, so remote, good, uh, good word. And so we don't see it, you know, we don't see this. We think, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. In the spiritual. Yeah. But that's not for today. You know that he's, and you said in their daily loads us with benefits. Well, I have some daily needs that that address my needs today. I mean, maybe I need money to pay my car payment or whatever. Um, these are practical blessings, needs. A lot of times it's the negative uh, of the loss of a blessing. Maybe your car breaks down every 20 minutes and you've got a huge credit card debt because you have to pe- keep putting those repairs on your card because you can't have enough money. You never seem to scrape together enough to be able to, and you just get used to it. You just use, you just think, well, that's just life or that's just, it is what it is. And we don't really take those as very spiritual attacks or thievery from the enemy stealing our blessings. Um, and like, you know, God in the old Testament, when he brought the children of Israel out of Egypt, their shoes didn't even wear out. So we have cars, they had shoes. We need God to keep our things, our vehicles, our appliances and stuff. And yet going back to what this, this is what we're talking about today, not just the spiritual blessings, which we kind of know we have, but we really, we're not really capitalizing on them right now. We're not really taking the, uh, the inheritance, the authority that God has given us. Here's why. Because um, like you mentioned earlier, uh, the ideas of in the old ways of thinking, poverty was, you know, um, a virtue. You know, if you're a Christian and you're poor, you're you're holy or something like that. And then we have the on the other side of that spectrum, the name and claim it guys. So we get confused. Um, we don't stand up or speak out either way because we don't know we might make a mistake. Um, and then so we just kind of cover it with things like, well, you know, if it's God's will for me to have that or not have it, it's it's all up to God. It's not all up to God. God has already made His decisions about the, about blessing us. It's about, do I agree with him? Or on the other side, if we're losing blessings or something goes wrong and we've been trained in a religious legalistic paradigm, we're going to say, well, what did I do wrong? I must have done something wrong. It must be me. So um, in either way, when you come into an agreement with that spirit of guilt and it's my fault and I did something wrong because I sinned, uh, it, it gives the devil the right, the grounds that he's looking for to shut us up. And, and keep us from standing up and claiming our blessings in the truth. And it also provides him with justification for doing and getting getting away with what he is doing to us because we're agreeing with him. You know, it's all this war between God and Satan over us is based on whom we choose to obey or agree with. That's that's the the bottom line. Okay. Now, we know there's the list in Deuteronomy 28, Leviticus 26, about the blessings and the curses. And the curses, yeah. Now, and, and he's God says, if you, if you will obey me, these blessings will come upon you. Mm-hmm. If you do not obey me, all these curses will come upon you. Mm-hmm. And we can see, we can look at Deuteronomy twenty-eight, Leviticus twenty-six. Mm-hmm. We can see our nation, and we can see even many in right. the church because how? Well, how does that help? work? Yeah. Can you okay. Help yeah. Us sure. Here? We've got those principles yes. of obedience and disobedience. Well, here's and then the deal. What happens with the, that now when we're under grace? Okay, so we do have two operating systems going on now. In the Old Testament, they just had basically, if you do this, obey me, then I'll bless you. Because 
in the Old Testament, the law was given as their protection. It was given as the way that God identified his people through their obedience, through the, 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 um, you know, the keeping of the, of the law, the Ten Commandments, the tabernacle, the ordinances, blah, blah, blah. And so that was how God would protect them, because when the devil would accuse them before God, then God would look down from heaven and say, no, 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 they're still in within the parameters of my law. They're doing, they're obeying. Therefore, you cannot assault them, Satan. You cannot steal this blessing because they, that, was the rule, that was the rule. Now we have two rules operating, two uh, you know, sets of, of, of one, one is the Old Testament, then one is the New Testament. And because they're both operating simultaneously, it says the law is given for the lawless or the lawbreakers, mm-hmm. that the Old Testament law of, of um, if you will, then I will, the blessings and, and curses, operates for the, for the unbeliever. And for those who don't trust God. Now, we also know that in the, in the context of that, we also have the enemy operating to bless, demonically bless his followers to keep them in a place of contentment. And so they don't go searching for God because usually it's a place of desperation or need that causes someone to get shook out of their nest and go look for God. So we, we see that operating. So you can't really base any particular decisions or judgments or conclusions on what you're seeing because there's different things operating at the same time and they're 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 kind of so it's convoluted but in the new testament we have to understand the paradigm of law and justice from god's point of view for those who are now believers and a lot of times what's happening in the new testament is christians according to romans 11 are mixing works or law with grace and god says this then brings on us a spirit of stupor and hardness in other words satan is asking for a spirit of stupor and hardness of heart to be put upon the people who are mixing works with grace god says in romans 11:5 works is works and grace is grace and you cannot mix them and it's the remnant or the election according to grace that has received that revelation you know i've talked to many pastors and you know i've been a pastor for a long long time and uh, you see a lot of times with with people believers that mm-hmm. just like they just don't get it they don't they're, they're just like they're like almost like zombified right exactly and so, they don't understand the law and that's why you're and saying, the cross they're saying is that that it's that mixture mm-hmm. that has brought that well uh, together and a lot of time you know the person sitting in church doesn't think to themselves you know what I'm I'm really mixing law and grace here. <laughs> right, exactly. You know what I'm saying? They there, don't there, think. There's, there's not an awareness there's of that. Right, they right. might be doing it, but they won't. They're not able to Here's define why. that. Here's why. We're, we don't think for ourselves. We don't think. Uh, we're we're making the agreement, the assumption. I'm sitting in this pew, and this man or woman above me in the pulpit there knows a whole lot more than I do. So I have to. I've made the agreement that I'm going to believe what they're saying, rather than saying, wait a minute, how come if that's true, then this and this doesn't seem to make sense? Well, you see, the fruit, Jesus said, by the fruit, you shall know them. By their fruit, you shall know them. So if you're seeing confusion and doubt and condemnation leaving the church every Sunday morning, you know, in the hearts of the people, they're not receiving the right gospel or the, they're receiving a mixed gospel. But going on to how Paul talks about this, if you read Romans six, seven, and eight, he really takes this apart. He says, um, if we don't understand law and justice, really, from God's point of view, then justice and, uh, stumbles at the spiritual intentions of the law and trips on a technicality because technically I did the sin. So if I did the sin, then technically I'm guilty. But, that's, but the law 
is been um, completed, fulfilled in what Jesus Christ did. It says, Paul says in Romans 6.14, For sin shall not have dominion over you, for you are not under the law, but under grace. Um, another way of putting that would be, uh, the law puts us back under, under the dominion of sin. If you look at Romans 6 for a minute, let's just go there for half a second. I want to explain something. He says, um, he's talking in 6 about you know being dead to sin and alive to Christ, reckoning the old man dead. And in 14, he says, the sin, like I said, the sin, for sin shall not have dominion over you, for you are not under the law, but under grace. Now, if you take that apart and look at it, it says, it's what it's saying is, not sin have dominion over you, for you are not under the law, but under grace. In other words, it's the law that puts us back under the dominion of sin. The law puts us back under the dominion, and therefore, we are then uh, uh, accused of being guilty of sinning. And when you're accused, then you're guilty. I did it. It's my fault. I should have known better. I should have taken responsibility. Satan uses all these lines of argument to push us into an agreement with it's my fault and I'm guilty. So you're in a bind of trying to be worthy and constantly failing. Right. So you're angry, upset with yourself. So you're angry, upset with yourself. And a lot of people just say, you know what? I can't do this. Right. Because mm-hmm. it really, it, it rips you apart, right? Yeah. It, what, rip, it just rips you See, what it. God is calling us to do, as Paul is, goes on to say, he's calling us not to keep the law, but to love. He says all the law is fulfilled in this, that you love one another. The Ten Commandments basically just says don't kill them. You can't kill them. It doesn't say you have to love anybody. It, 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 but Jesus says a new commandment, love your enemies. He's, he's really pushing us, you know, upgrading this whole uh, walk this whole relationship, he says, forgive, love. Um, then he says, if you're, if you're loving one another, all the law is fulfilled in this. So what happens when you are after you're saved and you do a sin? What happens? We, we don't know what to do. In First John, he tells us what to do. When you sin, don't say you haven't sinned. He's writing to believers. So when you sin, he said, don't say you haven't sinned and call God a liar. Don't deny your sin. Don't pretend like you didn't do anything. And we're not asking people to pretend. We're not asking them to be perfect. We're just saying when you get tricked into doing a sin, whatever that might be, and sometimes people are so sensitive in their hearts that even having a temptation, they begin to take responsibility for what the devil's put in their head and heart rather than resist it and say, no, you won't, devil. They'll think it's their thought. They'll think it's their, their horrible thought. And, oh, no, I'm still trapped in pornography because I had this terrible thought in my head again. Well, resist it. Submit to God, resist it. That's where the temptation begins. That's where resistance needs to begin. It's not in trying to get an accountability partner and and take responsibility and avoid all these places. Yes, all that may be helpful in a way, but the real deal is you need to recognize that, wait a minute, that was not my thought. That was a perverted thought. That doesn't come from me. I'm not perverted. God didn't make me perverted. And I command the spirit of uncleanness to get out of my mind right now and take his thought with him. And I plead the blood of Jesus over the screen of my mind so that this thing cannot take root. First John 1, 7 through 9, it says, But if we walk in the light, as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another, and the blood of Jesus Christ, mm-hmm. his Son, cleanses us from all sin. Mm-hmm. And it says that we, do, we say that we have no sin, we deceive ourselves, and the truth is not in us. But if we confess our sins, he is faithful mm-hmm. and just yep. to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all sin. Unrighteousness. See, we're trained to think that because I sin, 
I'm tra- I was trained that way. I don't know about you, but I was trained to believe that it, when I sin, I do penance. I go to confession. I change. I turn over a new leaf. I um, try harder. I, you know, it's up to me. I got to take responsibility to stop doing that sin. And some of us, you know, we're, we're controlled by that thing. And it's got power and control over you because you've been doing it for so long. It's a familiar spirit. And so when you try to quit it, you can't stop it. And then that, that gives you a whole nother level of condemnation. So, you know, Paul told the Galatians, he says, the law was our schoolmaster to bring us to Christ. Right. That we might be justified by what? Faith. By way, works? No, by faith. Mm-hmm. So the law was, another way and to interpret it, it is it was our tutor. Mm-hmm. In other words, the law was our teacher to bring us to see our need mm-hmm. for Christ, to be justified by faith. It's interesting, all the, the Ten Commandments are negative. I know. They're negative. The law of God is good, but it shows us, thou shalt not. Don't, don't, don't. And then, so it shows us, it awakens sin in us. All right? It says not to, but we do it anyway, Romans 7, mm-hmm. okay? So it's like Paul said, uh, Romans 7, that you know so well, you left your favorite chapter in the Bible, I think. <laughs> uh, it, it talks. He talks about, I don't find the ability to do good. Right. I believe that the law is good. I believe that I shouldn't mm-hmm. be doing these things, but I find myself doing these things. And then, so, and uh, then, so, so uh, thou shalt not kill... For example, okay, Jesus said, if you hate in your heart, mm-hmm. you, you're, you know, you're, you've broken that commandment. Mm-hmm. Even if you haven't committed the physical act of murder, mm-hmm. which it means murder, mm-hmm. uh, even if you haven't committed that physical act, if you have hatred in your heart, you've broken that. But what grace does is gives us the ability to do, not just not to do, but to do right. the will of God. And the only way we can do that is to know that we have the power of the Holy Spirit in us and the desire to That's do it. That's it. It's the, the power of the Holy Spirit. That's Changes because in everything. ourselves, mm-hmm. we can't do that. Mm-hmm. Well, obviously. Obviously, we can't do it. They couldn't and, do it in the Old Testament. And, we can't and, and, do it in the New. That's right. So, even Paul is saying, oh, wretched man that I am. When he's trying to get himself back to doing what, what that, the performing, like you said, what is right, he just come up with, oh, wretched, miserable man that I am. So, again, if you put it back on yourself to keep the law. Now, here's, here's another thing we need to understand about the law and the cross. If we truly understand what the cross means, that Jesus Christ died, the, the, the Lamb of God, shame, slain from the foundation of the world, his blood was shed for our sins, he died in our place. There, that, that was what was required, that a sinless offering be made to, to take our place. One man sinned, therefore one man has to die. And when one man sinned, all became sinners. So when one man dies, then all the right man, of course, then all that come to him can be set free from sin. And so that's kind of the law of justice. But when you say, I've got to be good, I'm, I've come to Jesus, I've come to the cross, he set me free, uh, and now I've got to be good. You know, it's my good deed. We're still thinking somehow I've got I can add to the cross. Um, I have I have to add my my good deeds. All we have to, all we can add to the cross really is our consent that the cross completed finished the work that Jesus Christ. When you finish the work, when you mix the two, you actually insult the work of Jesus you Christ. Insult, you insult God's grace because right. mm-hmm. Jesus said. Uh, just before he died, 
on the cross, John 19.30, it is finished. Right. It is completion. Mm-hmm. It means it is completion. It's completed. Mm-hmm. It's done. So it's been it's been accomplished for us, mm-hmm. and it's up to us then to decide whether or not we want to receive that completion. Yeah. Um, well, why why are we why are we so tempted to add to what he's already done? Because it's like it's, this isn't enough. Be- because we have what is it? Because it's our it's our world system. Everything in the world system says it's up to me. I've got to do it. Take responsibility. It's my fault. I should have. Everything, your schools, your streets, your society. Self-improvement. Yeah, yeah self-improvement, self-discipline, willpower, diets, everything that we are steeped in puts the responsibility back on us. Now, that word responsibility was not used by God in the Bible. And when Paul was writing in Romans 7.20, if I am doing what I do not want to do, it is not me doing it. God did not say, Paul, you need to erase that line and take responsibility for the sins that you're that are going on in your life. He did not say that. As a matter of fact, that word responsibility cannot be found in the Old Testament, New Testament, in the King James or the Old King James. I don't know about the other versions. But I know God's word for, for the demon word is responsibility. Because Satan can hook you on then if it was my fault. I, I had, should have taken responsibility. I didn't take responsibility. I could have taken responsibility. And I didn't and could have and should have. Then I'm, I'm entering into the vulnerability to that spirit of guilt accusing me. And therefore, when I'm guilty, then he comes and steals my blessings. Because a guilty man does not deserve good things. So we're still making our life about what we can earn, about what we, and God's gifts are gifts. And yet we're still, we're insulting God by trying to earn the gift. Now at Christmas time, if you, you receive a gift from someone you love and you feel guilty for taking the gift because you're feeling, I should have earned that. I could, no, no, I can't take that gift because I'm proud. I want to do it myself. I want to earn it. I want to say that I did it myself. That's vanity. That's not accepting the gift of God. And and there's just a little example. But going back to um, Jesus paid the debt of our sin on the cross. But if we don't realize that, or if we mix that revelation with the Old Testament, I've got to be good or I'm going to be in trouble if we mix those two, then we become vulnerable to having to try to take up the burden of saving ourselves through earning the gift of God. Um, but really, truly, there's nothing we can add to his sacrifice. Why can't we just surrender to that? Why can't, we can't add our good works to the cross. There's nothing more, really, that, can't, that we can do to complete the work of redemption except follow Jesus and be a steward of the gifts God wants to give us. It it's, must be frustrating for God, who is in heaven and who abides on earth through the Holy Spirit in us, to want to bestow upon his children gifts, and they keep turning them, turning them away, saying, no, I don't deserve that, no. what? It's not about you. Maybe he wants to give you that gift so you can extend the kingdom of God and what work as an ambassador. Maybe he's trying to give you as a ser- servant the, 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 the things that you need to minister to the people that you're called to minister to that day. But you're so busy trying to change your own flat tire that you don't have time to receive a new set of tires from God because you don't deserve it and you can't afford it. And how many of us Christians are always saying, well, I would, but I can't afford it. I'd go on that mission trip, but I can't afford it. I would give to the children and the orphans, but I can't afford it. I, you know, it's all about, it's about what? The God of Mammon signing off on what God has told you to do? God of Mammon gets a check off the list and say, nope, can't afford it. So, too bad. We have to realize that we are, we, as servants, we are to open our hands and receive 
the things the master puts in our hands for this day. Mm-hmm. It's not a matter of our perfection, mm-hmm. you know, that we are just totally right in everything. But here, we are, Romans 5 says that we are justified by faith. We are made as though, because of our faith in Christ, we are considered by God as though we had never sinned. So we're already right, right in God's sight, not because our, of our own efforts or, or anything that we've done to prove our worth, mm-hmm. but because he is worthy. We read in Revelation over and over again, there's the resounding songs in heaven about, Lord, you are worthy to open the book. Mm-hmm. You are worthy because you yeah. have prevailed. Yeah. Well, when we look at life like this, like you're saying, it becomes a whole different ballgame. It becomes more about God's got the problems and he's giving me the solutions. Not that I have the problems and looking to God for solutions. A lot of times, you know, in, in the world, we're trained to be skeptical mm-hmm. because yeah, it's, it, it's okay in our world system to be skeptical. Skeptical. Yeah, a <laughs> skeptical. <laughs> a new word there. But skeptical because there's a lot of deceit out there. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of promises that are made that don't come. Mm-hmm. But, but to pass. may I say this? It, you know, with products and and with with, with people and guarantees and mm-hmm. and and, and, fine and, print. and per- performance, fine print, mm-hmm. all that stuff. And so you kind of come up with the idea: if it's too good to be true, very likely it's not true. And many times mm-hmm. we take that mentality. Mm-hmm. And, and impose that upon God. Mm-hmm. If it's too good that, I mean, I don't have to do anything. I can just receive God's grace. Mm-hmm. Uh, and and, 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 that, and that's okay, and that's what he wants. And I don't have to try to yeah. go through a long list of self-improvement. Well, see, that's like that. going back to the world system and the paradigms of this world that train us to be skeptical and, 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 uh, and that knowing that we're going to be deceived. But skeptic, you know, but problem we use our minds, our power of reasoning um, and, and you know, thinking to try to figure out who's telling us the truth and who's not. So, God says, walk in the spirit and you'll basically not fulfill the lust of the flesh or be tricked. But we don't walk in the spirit. We say, well, I don't know for sure. They don't, we don't believe that we can know that we know what we know because we don't believe what God says. He says, by these things, they will know. You will know. You know where I'm going. He didn't say hope, think, feel, figure it out and reason about it. Would would you say that the grace of God is unreasonable? Uh, you could. How do you mean? Unre- I mean, it's it's it's, it's unfathomable it's how that like, God okay. could just do all this how because He loves us. A loving, holy, righteous God just freely let us off the hook for our sin, from our sin, mm-hmm. and give us all the stuff that we read about here: mm-hmm. acceptance, redemption. Uh, inheritance, uh, the seal of the Holy Spirit, how can he just give us all that? Well, who, that does not compute right. in our human exactly. rational minds. Because our human rational minds operate under the paradigms uh, of our experiences and lies that we've picked up along the way of life, and we use it to figure things out. But that's why we need to walk in the Word, because the Word of God tells us the truth. But yes, God, God's ways are not our ways. Uh, God's thoughts are higher than our thoughts. We, it always goes back with ever, whatever you're sifting down to have to earn something. It always sifts down, reduces down to, um, I, I'm not worthy. I have to, I'm, and so therefore, if you would be 
working to earn your salvation through your good works or your good deeds or whatever, then you'd make God the debtor and his gift would no longer be a gift. You would have earned it and God would be required to give it to you. And so what's happening is that I believe Paul says it this way, he says, for through the law, uh, for, for I through the law died to the law that I might live to God. God is lifting us out of this world system, its ways of thinking, its mentality, its um, paradigm into a holy, uh, we transcend, we go into another dimension of living and it, we become to see ourselves as the servants of the Most High God, the ambassadors uh, of the cross, the, the bringers of good news, the declarers of salvation. And, and like the angels did at Christmas, they said, peace, uh, goodwill towards men, not peace to men of goodwill. That would make it like works. But God says, peace, goodwill. He says, freely. I'm offering you finally this exciting gift. Your salvation has arrived in the form of my son, a baby. Mm -hmm. So a lot of us as believers, we give a credence to the idea that there's no way we can earn our salvation. Yet we strive Mm -hmm. in our own strength oftentimes to make ourselves worthy. Right. To try to try to. uh, We are attempting to make ourselves worthy. What doesn't work because we're we already become worthy because of our faith in Jesus right, Christ. Right, exactly. So Paul says in Galatians, he says, "I do not set aside the grace of God, for if righteousness comes through the law, then Christ is dead in vain or died in vain." To go back under the law after we have been set free from sin through the death of Christ causes us to commit the sin of rejecting the full and finished work of Christ. This actually causes us to sin. When we go back under the law, it causes us to reject, insult the work of God himself. This is the sin that Satan finds the Christians guilty of. Really, bottom line, we go back to keeping, when we go back to keeping the law, it is the very thing the enemy then uses to find us guilty of breaking the law. Because it's it, we're not believing. We're not believing what God said, that I've done it, I've finished it, it's yours, it's good, here it is, a gift. We're not believing God. So the sin that believers are not afraid to commit is the sin of rejecting the cross indirectly or through implied consent with the lie that I still got to be good. We've got this so hammered into us, and then we get so bitter and frustrated when we can't be good or we begin to judge others because we don't see them as good as us. It all becomes about comparisons. It it becomes about uh, focusing on me, my sin, and not the son. But if we go back to keeping the law after we're saved, it's the very thing the enemy uses to find us guilty of breaking the law because the law has now just become a law of love. So when you know the love of God, this is this people, this is why you're not getting your blessings. This is absolutely the most critical thing, the revelation that you need, we need to have from Jesus Christ. Um, but not believing it or being stumbling and being confused about it. You cry out to God and say, Lord, I don't get it. Because some people say, well, okay, then, then if God did it all, then like Paul says, um, uh, let grace, how do you say, um, um, grace, sin, let us grace. continue in sin, that grace abounds. This is the exact thing the devil brings in our mind. Well, let's go for it then. It's grace. It's all done. Let's go ahead and sin. Um, shall, or, or, you know, if the devil makes me do everything, then I, and, I don't, and you're telling me I don't have any responsibility, then, then what? Well, that is a total twisting of the truth of what God did. First of all, the devil cannot make you do anything, number one. You agree with it. 
whether it's conscious or unconscious uh, or through the familiar spirits you're so used to it and you just kind of are on the roll with this lie and you don't even suspect it anymore. You just go ahead. It's almost like an automatic. You're just going on with this lie um, that is up to me or I've got to take responsibility or it's my fault or I'm not good enough or I don't deserve. These things are running in the background of all of our programming from hell. These run in the background of your computer and they are the things that determine the output or the printout in your life. And so, first of all, the devil cannot make you do anything. Second of all, if he could, he would have already done it and you and I would be dead. He wouldn't even be messing with us anymore. We'd be done and dead. So, the devil cannot make you do anything. Second of all, um, you know, if the devil is, is making me do it, then, um, and I don't have any responsibility, we do have a choice to make, to choose to walk in the, the, the revelation of Jesus Christ or in the revelations of this world. The revelation of Jesus Christ is you are free, follow me. That you could say, well, it's my responsibility to make that choice. Well, you can use the word responsibility, but I would say the Lord used better words when he said, God is faithful to complete it, to complete the work, to fulfill the work he's begun in you. God is faithful, and Jesus said, follow me. So in those two words, faithful, God is faithful, and I will be faithful to him as he's faithful to me. I will follow him. I will use the faith of Jesus Christ to do the work of Jesus Christ, the 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 the, 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 the purposes and assignments and agenda of the kingdom of God on earth. As an ambassador, I am a steward. I am faithful. Now, how does that make me irresponsible? I am not irresponsible. I am more than responsible. I am faithful. I am focused. I will finish. I will complete the ministry. I will follow through. And it's not about this sin or that sin or getting rid of a sin. It's about following the sun. Now, tell me that's not an upgrade from what you're trying to do. Yeah, yeah. It, see, the whole thing, really what it is is idolatry. Following the, follow the law uh and make, focusing on right. yourself and making yourself well, worthy, it's idolatry. You're making yourself the idol. You're making yourself your good the works, focus, your perfect your being. good works, your mm-hmm. attitude, whatever you do. And so the whole the whole principle of, of this, the New Testament grace, uh-huh. is to make us sun conscious, not sin conscious. Yeah. The law makes us sin conscious. And so what are we gonna if you're sin conscious, what are you gonna be doing? Sinning, 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 sinning. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. If you're if you're sin conscious, if you're sun conscious, you're going to be walking in well, the spirit. You're going to be walking in, in, in righteousness. You're going to be walking. You made a, a, a phrase that we sometimes mix up. Mm-hmm. Translations mix it up. Uh-huh. King James talks about the faith of Jesus Christ. Mm-hmm. Uh, and other translations talk about faith in Jesus Christ. Okay. Yes, we need faith in Jesus Christ. That's how we're saved, by grace through faith. But. Who gives us the faith? We don't even have it in ourselves to have the faith in God. Well, he has to give it to. I mean, he really gives us well, the that, opportunity. We, you know, he says that repentance is a gift. Mm-hmm. It, it says the granted repentance. God repentance. gives mm-hmm. gives works in our hearts to give us repentance. So, so the thing is, if you think you don't have enough faith yourself. You know, get the faith of Jesus. Mm-hmm. Well, let me just his say, faith uh-huh. in us. He, he even has to impart the faith. Anyway, I got it, but in, and that's absolutely right. But the thing is, the faith of Christ, faith in Christ, the different translations. Do you realize that the Calvinists 
um, screwed that up because they make it all about predestination, predetermination. I'm not good enough to even accept God, so God has to do all the work in me. But there's two things that the Calvinists miss, and I know this may seem like, how are we on the gift of thanksgiving, <clears throat> the gifts of giving and receiving your gifts? It's, it's all relevant, people. It's all big, but it's relevant. So <clears throat> when God predetermined or predestined us all to be conformed to the image of his dear son in Romans 8, 29, I think it is where it begins, the discussion. He gives us the opportunity to make the decision, to make the call. Now, God created us in his image originally so that we do have in us the residue of, of, the, of the, the divine nature. The, we can call it conscience. We can call it something like that, but conscience is a little bit different defined. But we have in us the ability to know, to resonate with the truth, to, to uh, um uh, recognize the truth when it comes to us. And so if we didn't have that, then we would be helpless. But God has left that residue of his nature. He made us in his image. That is still there. The second thing the Calvinists don't do is they they scratch the word called and re- responding to the call. The second thing they do is they don't put demons in the equation. And I believe that's why grace is so important to God, because God recognizes how terrible it is down here, how convoluted and how counterfeited. Like, see, th- th- that's so close. I mean, what you said can be so misunderstood. It's, it, what Jesus has for us is so beautiful. It's so finished. It's so life-giving. It's so freeing. It so brings you peace. But what the devil has is so close that if you don't understand the heart of God, see, because what all this does is it all reflects back not just on us, but on God. So he's, he's this evil, meanie, just waiting for you to do something wrong in the Old Testament so he can beat you up with a baseball bat. That, that's not what it is. God is saying, the devil is so clever here, and he's pushing my buttons in heaven when he makes the accusations about you, and he's going back and reviewing your, your record, your track record, and throwing that in as evidence why I should have to punish you because... You know, you did this and this and this and listened to the devil. Well, the devil is building his case against us, but God wants to vote for us. But we can tie his hands, like, for example, with receiving blessings. If we believe the lie, I don't believe, I don't deserve it. I'm not good enough. I sinned. And so you're actually voting with the devil when the devil presents his case against you to steal those blessings. And you go along with the devil and say, yeah, I wasn't that good. I didn't really deserve it. I I need to work harder, blah, blah, blah. And you've just voted with the devil. So now what's God going to do? His hands to bless you are tied until he can work around again, bring it back to another situation where you can come to the truth. This is all a fight for getting us to believe the truth or the lie. Satan is trying to get you to believe the lie and using God's word to do it. Satan is the biggest lawbreaker in the universe, and yet he is the biggest tattletale about the law. Satan has got to have the law. That's why God says, don't use the law anymore. The law is done. If you go back and forth, Christians, Romans 8, 11, Romans 11, sorry. If you go back and forth, you are just getting, you're going to, it's like living in the middle of the highway. You're going to get yourself killed. You can't set your house up in the middle of the, 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 the interstate. You can't. You got to go in or out on this side or that side and believe God or not, because people are just being creamed with the, the compromising, the Christians are believing those lies, and then, then God is forced to do what he doesn't want to do. God, God must, he's not forced, he must permit what he has to permit, and that is to let the devil claim. And then the devil says, well, they're guilty, they agreed that they're guilty, so I'm not guilty, I didn't do nothing. They went along with it, 
It's their fault. That's just like kids fighting at home. You know, the one sets up the other one and and gets the first one to take the blame or shut up or so intimidated and scared that they go to the parents. The, the kid who is the victim says, yeah, it's my fault. I did it. And what can the parent do then? You know? Mm-hmm. Would you say one of the greatest uh, devices of the enemy is against Christians? Is Would the be law. To be get them, get them, to tempt them to try to be good. Oh, absolutely. Because if you got a Christian under condemnation and guilt, you got them under discouragement, right. frustration. They're focused on themselves, Disgrace. which means they become mm-hmm. idolaters, mm-hmm. and they are basically become... Absolutely. The, the more they try, Jesus. the more useless they become for the kingdom of God. Right, because the thing that grace does is it cancels out disgrace. Disgrace... Mm. Disgrace. Good. Grace cancels out disgrace because Jesus said, whoever shall call upon the name of the Lord will not be ashamed. The first thing that happened to Adam and Eve in the garden, after they sinned, after they were deceived, as Eve you know, rightly said, the serpent deceived me, she got tricked. And God didn't say, no, you didn't get tricked. You wanted to do it. He knew she got tricked. And he didn't correct her. On that. He went and judged the devil at that point, or the, the serpent. Now, the first thing they did before that conversation was to hide. They went and hid because of the shame. They didn't want to be seen, and they tried to fix, cover themselves with fig leaves. Now, isn't it interesting that the results of shame, when shame comes into our life, the two things it brings are two activities are hiding and fixing. We want to hide. We're embarrassed. We're disgraced. We're ashamed. We want to hide. We don't want people to see it. We want to then cover it up. And we cover ourselves up with a lot of different things. We can have fine clothing, jewelry, cars. We can have we can have um, the fig leaves of religion. We try to cover up our bad. Because why? Because we're made in the image of God. And to be found in this place of sin is totally contrary to our divine nature. So we can't we can't deal with it. We don't want to deal. We just, so we don't know what to do. So we try to fix it. Well, when God came in and He looked at it, He was the one who had to kill the lamb or the the animal, whatever skins he got it off of, to cover their shame. That gave them a temporary covering. And so, to this very day, we use the covering because of that first revelation. Now, going back to disgrace and grace, when I am disgraced, then I am living under shame. When I come into grace, I'm okay. That's right. So basically, all world religions... Religion, human mm-hmm. religion, mm-hmm. is wanting to fix ourselves. Right. We want to fix it. It's all about the fig leaves. Right. It's all about hiding, trying to deal with shame, making ourselves worthy, whether it's we're trying to get in you know, contact with the universal consciousness <clears throat> or, yeah. or whether it's just mutilating ourselves or practicing all kinds of religious behavior and systems and temples and idols and all that. All that is just we know some human beings in deep inside, we know something's yeah. wrong. Mm-hmm. We know we've got there is right. a there is a shame, there's a sense that there is a, there is a higher power somehow and we're not in right connection with them mm-hmm. and we gotta do something to get connected to fix this. Mm-hmm. But it just doesn't work. No matter how elaborate yeah. How how sophisticated the system is that we develop. 
Mm-hmm. It does not solve the problem. Right. The the problem comes from the, the still small voice of the Lord God inside of us saying, peace, be still. You know, and, and going back to the, the, um, the war between law and grace, between the Old Testament and the New Testament, actually, Jesus, the Gospels, when Jesus came in, that's kind of the, 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 the war that went on between him and the Pharisees was kind of a, they, they didn't want to give up their position. They didn't want to give up their rituals, their traditions. And he was constantly, you know, uh, highlighting that, scolding them for um, holding the traditions of men as more sacred than than the, the spirit of, of God. Yeah, that's it. Because, see, those, those, those uh, religious fix-it systems, right. well, they, they get so entrenched and, in, and, in, the and world, in the yeah. world system. They get connected with the political system. Yeah. From the political system, well, uh, and and then they get connected. The the main thing mm-hmm. though is, is that they they just they're all part they of the world system. The they're still the, they're still a part, part of it of the world system right. that really uh, all these practices really keep us from seeing and realizing the grace of God. Okay, going back to Jesus and his discussion with the Pharisees in Matthew 23, you can look it up. But what happened, what was happening is the religious leaders who were uh, nitpicking uh, sticklers for the law, for the keeping of the law, absolutely the, uh, that was their job, that's how they got their, made their living. They, they, they had pushed the law to the point of ridiculous where in Matthew 12, for example, it was not even okay for Jesus to do a healing on the Sabbath. Uh, and in Luke, I think he says, where he says, Ought not this woman, being the daughter of Abraham, being bound, lo, these 18 years, right. be loose from this uh, infirmity on the Sabbath? It's like, okay, so on, on the Sabbath, we cannot, number one, res- do healings, do good works, uh, because the law says that's work. That on that one side, and then on the other side, we've got the law with with the woman taken in adultery. They're ready to kill someone, and 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 to to carry out death, to the point of carrying out death. And they, you know, because the law required that a woman is caught in adultery would be stoned to death. That was the law back in the original, you know, paradigm God set up. And now Jesus comes, and they think we've got him. We've got him over a barrel here. He's going to have to go along with. Um, you know, with killing her, he's going to have to give the word, and then we'll have him. Right. But, but, but here's what Jesus did: He let them, you know, give up, say what they wanted to say. Then he said, as he bent down to, to write in the ground, he said to, "He who is without sin, let him cast the first stone." Now, notice what that 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 kills everything right there in one line. He says, "Okay, the law. He who is without sin, the law makes everybody a sinner." Okay, so if everybody's a sinner, he says he who is without sin is the only one who has a right to cast a stone. So when the law is making us sinners and we're trying to carry out the justification and the judgments on other sinners and we're sinners ourselves, we get caught in making judgments and decisions that who should live and who should die. And so he's saying he who is without sin. So the law, he was saying, makes us sinners. It makes us um, as guilty as the person we're judging, which is not helpful in determining justice. Only the righteous judge of all the universe can make those life and death decisions. 
And so when he said that, they recognized, he, he highlighted again, that the, power, the, law, the law was not able to save anyone, nor was it able to make anybody good or righteous. It was only there to show them they weren't good and righteous. Your mirror that you look into every morning cannot wash your face. It can tell you you need to wash your face, you have a spot on your face, but it cannot wash your face. The law could show them they had a sin, but the law could not wash their face or take away that sin. And so, therefore, when Jesus said those things, he was in this, this battle to change the paradigm. He's there to bring in grace, and he had to have these discussions because this is what was the thinking of the day. This is what was out there. He, this was the biggest battle. I don't think the cross was the biggest battle. I think that was the final battle, and it wasn't easy. But his biggest battle was to turn this ship around that was heading in this, had been heading in this direction for a long time. Now he's turning it 180 degrees back towards what God's heart always was in the first place, which was love and grace. And the greatest, some of the greatest battles that took place after the cross, Mm -hmm. after the resurrection in the early church, Mm -hmm. were the people wanting to legalize the grace of God. Legalize the grace of God. That's a good. There you go. They, they were trying to market it. They were trying. No, they were trying to say that. Okay, well, if you are really uh, saved, then you need to do circumcision. You need mm-hmm. to do yeah. this yeah. and Putting all that. It, yeah. And the Galatians, they got they got were saved by the grace of God, but they went rip r- ripped under the law again. Mm-hmm. The biggest, some of the biggest problems mm-hmm. that mm-hmm. that that were there in the early church were these Judaizers, as they were called, that wanted to bring the believers back under the law. Okay. Now, you know, so, and- so that was that was the issue. And that's what Paul had to address in Romans. He had to address it in Colossians because they were the philosophies of okay. those world were trying to mix with the grace of God. Mm-hmm. Uh, the Galatian church, they were uh, they were saved by grace, they received everything through grace, mm-hmm. and then they went. They want to go back to the old thing. So, it's it, like you said. It's it's really was a difficult thing to turn the church around, uh, turn the ship around. Mm-hmm. Paul just dealt with that constantly. What we're talking about here, mm-hmm. the, yeah. the 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 people that were just. Uh, well, putting themselves when back we make, under the law, and and this is all you could say. Well, this is pretty heady, a pretty heady discussion about the law, and how, well, how does this relate to me? And well, it's relating to you at such a shoe level level because what what's happening is because you still believe in your heart these lies or a mixture of law and grace, and you do not know or believe that you have been set free that you are the daughter or the son of the Most High God, that you are loved. Yes, you screwed up. Yes, you. there's work that needs to be done, but you are God's workmanship. You're God's problem. You're God's project. And all you need to do is submit to God, rest, and believe, and obey, and abide, and follow him. This is where this makes sense to you. And this is why I'm telling you, I'm telling you, I promise you, that if you are struggling in all kinds of bad luck, things not going well, um, things breaking down, kids getting sick, you're not... You know, any kind of not not the devil is going to. It's his job to harass us. I mean, just come. He's going to kind of come up with something, figure out some way to attack, or harass, or accuse you of something. That is his job. Your job is to go to the Lord and say, "What's the truth here, Lord? What's the lie I'm believing? That what's the open door that Satan has been using to get in to harass me, to steal from me? Because if you don't receive your blessings." 
if you don't just humbly receive your blessings and, and are, are proud and think, I've got to do this, I've got to earn this, then you won't get any blessings, and you need those blessings. You need to be strong in these days, in these days where a lot of people are going to be stripped and ripped and dying in front of us, who knows what. We need to know our God, and we need to know how to do exploits. Paul, uh, Moses, you know, it wasn't about Moses standing on that rock with that rod and speaking to the water. It wasn't about Moses commanding the water to come out of the rock. It was about what God said God wanted to do to provide for his children. And so if Moses would have said, oh, it's about, I can't do this. Who do I, who do I think I am? I mean, I've never seen this happen before. There's never been a rock where water's come out of it before that I've ever seen. It must not, I don't think it exists. You know, whatever, die, get over yourself, give it up, quit, and stop doing it. Because here's what you're going to do. This is what you're going to do. You say, God, what's going on here? First of all, you say, God, Holy Spirit, who lives in you, what is going on? Why does my, I'll just give you an example. Why does my vehicle keep breaking down? Or why every time do I try, when I try to get up to make some progress, I get set back. I, something bad happens. Why every time when I try to stand up, I fall down? Why every time when I try to move forward, I fall back? Whatever it is, whatever you're identified, let the Lord show you right now. What is the, the place on the battlefield where the devil has got you bound and, and tied up and, 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 and discouraged, whether it's sickness or bitterness or bad relationships in the family, whatever it is, you ask the Lord, what's going on here, Jesus, Son of God, Holy Spirit, show me. What's the lie, second question, what's the lie I'm believing that is allowing the devil to rip me off, steal from me, cause, keep causing this to happen? What's the lie I'm believing Third question, Jesus, Son of God, what is the truth you want me to know? Fourth question, take me back to the place where I first signed the contract with the lie. Where's the original place where you consciously or unconsciously came into an agreement with that lie that I always get ripped off or I'm never going to make it or it's no use or nothing good ever happens for me or it is what it is or I don't matter Lord, take them back to the original place. And at that place, you begin to feel the feelings and find the lies. As you feel the feelings in that emotion, in that memory, um, it's not emotion, it's a memory, but you feel the feelings, you find the lies. And, and, and I'm, a, I'm alone. I am afraid. I am no good. I am helpless. I am scared. Uh, I'm going to die. All of those I ams you are agreeing with. You're agreeing with the spirit of death and being cut off and hopelessness and helplessness and blah, blah, blah. And so those are the lies that Satan is writing down in his little book that he's now got you believing. So now you say, Lord, what is the truth? Am I alone? Well, of course. You know you're not alone. You don't even need to go to school to know that. You don't even need to read your Bible to know that. You know because the Spirit of God bears witness with your spirit that you're not alone. I'm not alone. Therefore, the first thing is a lie. I'm not alone. So is it up to me then? Is that what the Bible says? It's up to me to figure out my life and stay safe. Is that what the Bible says? Absolutely not. You already know that. Even if you know no verses in the Bible, you know that already. You know that. How do you know that? Because the Holy Spirit, God, by his divine nature imparted to you, put that in you to know. You already know that. So you know the truth that I'm not alone. It's not up to me. So now let's go with what we know. Not the inferior I think, I feel, and I've experienced, but go with what you know. I know that God is with me. God will never leave me or forsake me. Now, okay, so we got the situation. So, Lord, the lie is that I have been stolen from, that the devil's ripped me off, that um, I get bad deals or whatever, whatever the deal. And you, now you submit to God and say, God, this is not your will for me. This is not what you want. You're not here to punish me. You are good. You want to bless me. And so now I am going to submit to God, like the Bible says, James 4, 7. And now I'm going to resist the devil. I'm going to say, devil, you put back. 
You put my blessings back. You put back that thing you saw. And this is not name it and claim it. This is battle. This is submit to God, resist the devil. Devil, you will put it back. No, you won't. Just, you will not. You will not have that. You will not do that. No, you will not. Sometimes he attacks your body. Oh, my side hurts. Oh, do you, devil, do you have a right to pinch my side? No. Well, what's the lie you're believing? Well, the lie might be, you know, years and years and years of carrying stress or worry or financial difficulties or discouragement or burdens of, of sin, shame, condemnation, guilt, whatever the devil's put on you. Now, ask Jesus the truth. What's the truth? What does he want to do for your side ache or for your 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 uh, fibromyalgia? What does Jesus want to do with it? Does he want you to have it? Does it bring Jesus glory to have you suffer with fibromyalgia because you're being such a good little Christian? No. Jesus, you don't get glory when your kids are suffering from fibromyalgia, when your kids are getting ripped off and having car accidents. Do you? Do you get glory because they're taking it so well? No. So stop it. Stop believing that God is looking for you to be punished. There's plenty of ways for us to suffer persecution for righteousness sake that the devil set up that are that don't have to come to the place where you're being stolen from. There are certain things that this, all those who live God in Christ Jesus are going to suffer persecution. Count on it. The devil's going to find a way to squeeze you. And most of those places are places where God is training you to forgive and love. Not be ripped off. I mean, yes, ripped off. Say, for example, you get ripped off, ripped off by someone who steals something from you. Now, the issue there is what's the lie I'm believing that, first of all, sets me up to get ripped off. Second of all, you know, what's the truth God wants me to know? Where did I first believe that lie? I cancel out that agreement. Lord, I believe your truth. I declare that, you know, you have provided all my needs according to your riches and glory, whatever the, you want to declare. And then you may need to forgive that person who's ripping you off. Release the crime to God. You're not going to try to fix it or get justice. These are the prescriptions the Holy Word gives us for walking a victorious life down here. We don't walk victoriously in heaven. That's already done. That's victory right there. We have, as mighty warriors, soldiers of the cross, we walk in the faith of God's faithfulness, being obedient, and walk in uh, strength, walk in courage, walk in honor, not walk in being crumpled up and crushed because we don't know what's going on. And get over the habits, the practice, the operating principles of trying to make yourself worthy. Right. Trying to make yourself worthy does not work at all mm-hmm. because we only be, we are on. See, God's grace means mm-hmm. it is God's loving favor toward the unworthy. So we, you know. We can't, uh, grace and mercy cannot be earned. They can only be received. Gifts are not earned. They are given and received. Grace towards the unworthy. I would say God gives grace more to the muddy and the messed up, the um, ones who've fallen in the pit. Whatever word you want to call it. But But we we interpret that as unworthy. Right, right. Because so, so... the whole deal is if you look in the Bible, look through the New Testament, Marjorie, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. would you say that anybody there deserved to be healed, deserved to be set free from demons? Oh, well, I'll, be, I'll, ask, I'll answer that question with a question. Did anybody that lives on planet Earth, does anybody that lives on planet Earth deserve to be crushed and, and tormented and made sick? Does anybody deserve that? It's not a Well, sometimes we, no. we, does, op- does we open does, ourselves... 
we can open ourselves by believing the devil's lies to that sort of destruction. But do, okay, because we're believing the lie, I deserve this. Somehow I had this coming. But really, in God's way of looking at things, do any of his kids deserve to be treated this way? There are, there are, do, do we deserve it? No, we don't. Why are we being treated this way then? Because there is a war going on. There's a war going on, and what happens? And the devil gives us to believe we deserve it. But what happens is that if we kind of throw out the word "deserve," is that we we open up ourselves to the lies of the enemy by believing the lie. By believing the lies, that, so we open ourselves up to his destructions, his mm-hmm. thievery, and so forth. But uh, but okay, here's here's the deal. It, it's like. It's interesting, too. You remember... Now, the, can I say yeah, this first? That, okay, the Bible doesn't say that we don't sin. It says all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. Very clear. But what does that mean? That all have sinned and come short of the glory of God because all have been tricked by the lie to believe that they are um, what they see themselves doing, what they see themselves, how they see themselves behaving, sinning. So if I sin, therefore I'm a sinner. Satan tries to get you to believe you are what you do. God says you are who I say you are. You are a being, not a doing. Now, are you going to believe God or the devil, or a little bit of both. If it's a little bit of both and or the devil, you are still going to be victimized, vulnerable to the devil's constant attacks and accusations, always. It's the way your life is going to be down. You're just going to be a total mess. You're going to be very dysfunctional and not very accomplished in the things of God. You know, I think we make it, we, we still, with that word deserving, God knows the deal. He knows it's not about deserving. He knows the, je- exactly. the devil's jealous. We didn't get created because we deserve to be created. God could have created me a rock, but he chose to make me a human being. He chose me. That's a way big accomplishment that I had nothing to do with. I did not do a thing, but I was created in God's image, and therefore his will and purpose brought me forth. That's all I know about that. And so as far as deserving, it's like... Um, that is a, a word that we need to really examine the roots of and how it works in our own personal life. And, and maybe uh, it's probably, Jesus makes it's us probably worthy. A, a word that we need to, need to throw out as Christians because uh-huh. it's not a matter of well, deserving a, yeah. or worth or worthiness. I mean, the thing is, the fact is, you know, we're created in the likeness yeah. and image of God. Jesus and, never. And that has been marred. Yeah. That image has been marred, yeah. not obliterated. Not obliterated. It's been marred through believing the enemy's lies, it's through been the choices we've made, yeah. through mm-hmm. the assaults of the enemy. So, actually, God is simply restoring us to our into original. the fullness of how He originally designed us, yep. and mm-hmm. it is done by grace through faith, through what Jesus has done for us. So, can I say this? Basically, uh, you know, getting over ourselves mm-hmm. and trying to fix ourselves up. Mm-hmm. Throwing off just and just say, Lord, I'm just going to follow you, trust you, mm-hmm. become conscious. The Bible says that when we focus on the Lord, as we look into it, it's like looking into a mirror. We focus on the Lord, we're changed into the same image from glory to glory. Mm-hmm. So if we have mm-hmm. a focus on Christ, mm-hmm. we we become the Spirit of God within us. Focusing on Jesus, who he is, loving him, following him, being his ambassador, getting the attention off ourselves. Getting you get the attention on yourself, you're just you're just done for yeah. uh, on yourself. Mm-hmm. But when you got your attention on the Lord, you're able to walk really walk in the spirit, not just as a uh, mm-hmm. concept or a, or a religious idea, but as a fact, relationship, a, a daily 
fact of life, a oneness that we have with mm-hmm. him each day. Amen. Well, this is good, and I know that there's more we can discuss on this. Um, we're just encouraging each of you to um, really be, you know, understand it's it's that gratitude and that thankfulness of the peace that comes from the peace with God that really gives us strength and confidence and courage to go forward and not to be intimidated by the old man, the old lies, the world's judgments upon us. And we have no idea how much our divine nature has been reconditioned to believe that we're sinful and we have a sinful human nature. Yes, we do sin. We sin because we're tricked, not because we're bad. Uh, we sin because we we don't yet know what God is teaching us, giving us understanding to know. And as we learn those things, then we understand and recognize what sin is, and we don't want it. Because Paul says, he says, I'm doing what I don't want to do. So as we walk in the will of God, God's will begins to be our will, and our will becomes God's will, and it's there's no resistance. Now, if you are experiencing some resistance to what we're saying today, maybe it's because we've not spoken it as clearly as uh, as you needed to hear it. Um, but at the same time, if there's a resistance, if there's a big resistance in you to what we're saying, make note of it and ask the Lord God if that resistance is from him, is from his Holy Spirit, or if it's a religious spirit, a legalistic spirit that wants to hold on to you and your behavior and continue to condemn you and steal from you and make you feel guilty. Because guilt says, I do not deserve good things because I am bad, because I did something bad. Now, the reason you did something bad is because you sinned. You made the choice. Yes, you did. You, the little fish made the choice to bite the hook. But who set the bait on the hook, the fish or the deceiver? To the deceiver, in attempt to catch the fish, was the one who did the initial evil act. The fish, in ignorance and invulnerability to his hungry stomach, take made an agreement, a choice to bite the hook. Now, the fish did not sin in that he was hungry, but the the, the true sin came from. But but nonetheless, it was a deadly, fatal choice that the fish made. So when we come into an agreement with a lie, it can become a deadly, fatal choice that doesn't make us bad. For making the choice. We were tricked and, and that became very bad for us. And now the Lord God has to rescue us. But we want to just thank you all for joining us today in this pretty wily, fast moving discussion of, of Thanksgiving, God's grace, God's goodness, the law. And um, Let's so pray. thank you. Let's okay. pray. Uh, Lord, we thank you, Lord, for everyone that is listening to this program. It's moments. Yes, Jesus. We just thank you for your wonderful grace that you bestowed upon us, Lord. That we don't have to live under some old religious bondages. We can just live by your grace in the Spirit. Not just as a lofty, unachievable concept, a woo-woo kind of uh, thing that only the super-spiritual can attain. But Lord, every day we live under your authority. We live under your grace, your mercy which gives us the ability, Lord, to overcome the truth that sets us free and the ability to overcome uh, the lies and the strategies of the wicked one, Lord God. And I think of the old poem, Lord, that it says, To run and work the law commands, but it gives us neither feet nor hands. But better news the gospel brings, it bids us fly and gives us wings. 
And Lord, I pray that we will live in that gospel of your grace, Father, today and in the days to come. And I thank you, Lord, for each listener mm-hmm. today. Amen. And I pray your grace upon them, and there may there be great thanksgiving that will be in their lives each day expressed to you for all your wonderful blessings and mercies. Amen. And if you want to find the copy of the blog for today, you can go to www.liferecovery.com. And uh, just check out the date, and we'll have that for you. Um, And God bless you. Have a happy Thanksgiving, um, and we'll talk to you soon. God bless you. Bye. I have an emergency. What is your location? for your